Hey, I'm your host, Joshua Hunter, and welcome to the Treat Your Health Podcast. This show is a personal development book review podcast that aims to bring you the knowledge, wisdom, and tools from books that I read and love and deliver them to you in a dynamic way so that you can learn to treat your health and create your best life. Now come, listen, learn, laugh, and grow. Let's go. Uh. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to the show. Thank you for Hi, having Claire. me. It's bad to cheers and not. Oh, sorry. <sighs> I wanted you to come and join me on this uh, show this month on relational health. Yes. And talk about that stuff because I'm very good friends with you and your husband. And I love your guys' love. <laughs> like, I love your love. I love how you do what you do. And you've been doing it for a decade, mm. which is like, mm-hmm. like a third of your life. Yes, basically. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Right? When you put it that way. I mean, she looks like she's in her 20s, <laughs> according to the wine people downstairs. I mean, she is. But no one, no one. Ma'am, are you sure this isn't a fake ID? Yeah. Is that? Oh. Ooh, no. Out here killing them in these streets. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love your love. I love, um, and the conversations we've had around relationships. We've had many conversations around so relationships. Yes. Uh, love and, and different aspects of it. And I, that's why I want to invite you here today to talk with, with, the, with the crew about it because I just, I love our conversations and I just want mm-hmm. other people to hear them. I love that. Yeah, I love when people hear what you have to say and stuff too. So thanks for coming. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. And thank me. you for the wine recommendation. We're in here getting lit. Uh, <laughs> Friday rosé. Friday rosé. I mean, not Friday too rose. lit, but just, okay, one more. Not too lit. <laughs> just just enough little liquid. <laughs> it's love day after all. Just to grease the groove, you know? It's pink. It's pink. That's yes. Nice. So, yeah, we're, it, this is Valentine's Day. What is what is Valentine's Day for you? I mean, before we get really into the meat and potatoes of it, like, what is Valentine's Day mean for you? Well, you know, I'm really I lead with positivity, but I yeah. also have sometimes a very blunt take on things. So Indeed, you do, ma'am. I do. Uh-huh. I do. So, so for me, Valentine's Day, at its core, is a lovely idea, right? We were talking about this earlier. Any excuse to tell people that I love that I love them on a day that's a beautiful thing. So I'm into it for those reasons, but from a commercialized aspect Mm. of it, or from this way that I see that it can be so triggering for people because it's so marketed to us in this, I mean, right. Cause it's basically like everything is rooted in this patriarchal heterosexual love. So Mm -hmm. it makes you feel like if you're not partnered up, then something's wrong with you on this day or things like that. So I really, I know. So I really choose to, even when it comes to social media, just follow people that are showing so many different examples of what love is on this day. And for me, it's a, it's a day to celebrate all these platonic friendships that make me who I am and um and then make in turn make my marriage stronger honestly like I think just the people that I love is is so much more than just my romantic partner and there's so much love like we focus on like the Greek word for love like eros it's a Greek word for romantic love but then they have like four or five other words for love yes and we focus on romantic love on this day but like there's so much more love like so much many other colorful types of love absolutely and abundant types of love to to celebrate in this day and like for me i was just thinking i was like shit i haven't reached out to the people that i love as much i mean i sent some of my homeboys like a dirty meme this is i'm not even gonna go over it because it's pretty gross but 
out of control. You're so special. <laughs> it's I need a, to see this meme later. It's gross. <laughs> I don't want to see it. it. <laughs> I take it back. It may, I take it back. I'm not even going to mention Please it. Please don't. So, Please change the topic. Just sending. It's just like sharing love and reaching out and saying, hey, I love you. You're my friend. You're my family. Yes. You're just somebody in this world that I love. And I think that's for me too. Like that's an important thing to do on this day. And not be too too wound up about where you're where you are where you're not you know or who you're not with or who you are with and stuff exactly yeah but exactly it's easier said than done it's always easier said yeah. always easier said than done it's always easier said than done but you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so moving on like let's, let's let's get into some let's get into some stuff about you i want i want let's, i want people to get it. to know you okay yeah so you, you've been married you've been married for 5 years you yes which Whatever, whatever. You've been with AJ for 10, though. Uh-huh. You've been with AJ for 10 years. 10 years. Tell me about that. You guys met in college? So we met when, we met when I was just out of college. Just so out of college. So I was 22. In New York. No, we met here in Seattle. That's right. Yes, we met here in Seattle. He was living in, he's from Montana originally, mm-hmm. and he was living in Tacoma at the time. He moved out here for a job, and um, I was working for Lululemon at the time mm-hmm. and hired, was helping hire a, a team of people mm-hmm. and, and grew close with one of those people, Whitney, and she had gone to college with AJ and was pretty persistent about setting us up. And I just kept shutting that down because I knew I wanted to move to New York City and I was planning on doing that very soon. Yeah, you don't want to start something when you're no. getting ready to move across the country. Exactly. And there's just also something where, so my parents had me, my mom was 38 when she had me and 41 mm. when she had my sister. Oh, and wow. So I think I had this, I grew up with this model of love where these people had found themselves a little later in life than mm. their peers. And I kind of loved that. I loved this idea of spending years alone and finding myself and especially finding myself in a city that I was so drawn to that was so different from the Pacific Northwest. So I kind of idealized New York in that way and did not want to meet anyone that was going to complicate that. Mm. And then AJ and I met at a trivia night and I think we were both really intrigued by each other but like let's be honest age was age was really excited about me <laughs> I was pretty resistant what I'm, girl said let's be honest I okay mean, be so you knew okay <laughs> <laughs> cardi right i was a 22 year old babe i mean i was so so um but, but what was so cool about that interaction is that we were then friends first mm. and friends for a couple friends how many of us have them for a couple months and I think for us that really established trust Mm -hmm. and then we went on a date and before you knew it we dated for six months and then I still moved to New York because I wasn't going to let any anyone change those plans right I was I was very firm in that and I'm very happy I was because we then ended up with this two-year long distance relationship and then he got a job in New York and moved out there and so I was out there for a total of seven years and he was there for five and it was so wonderful to explore that city with him, but also separately, really, because mm-hmm. we didn't live together until kind of right around the time we got engaged. Mm. So we dated for about seven years before any engagement, any oh, wow. anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we have been together a little more than 10, but it's kind of wild that, to think about. Yeah. Yeah. That you really let that grow. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I think it's... um 
I think that's what's so neat is that everyone goes at their own pace with this kind of stuff. And I think that if maybe we had met now, so if I'm 33, he's 37. So maybe if we met now and we had these feelings kind of right away, we would have gotten married sooner. But Mm. at the time, it just felt like we were growing so much in our 20s separately and together that we really just loved dating and didn't feel like we needed to to change anything yet and to move into a marriage. So we took our time for sure. Yeah, you certainly did. Mm-hmm. Now, like, when when were you like, hey, I, I think I might marry this man? Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. Because that hasn't always been your no, mentality. No. Uh, I, I truly don't think I... I didn't think much about marriage in general when I was younger, and I think I certainly didn't imagine myself married I wasn't I wasn't someone who like planned a wedding or anything like that in my head when you say you didn't think much about it meaning the frequency of thinking much about or thinking like highly of it I think totally so I think it's the the latter the thinking highly oh you didn't think much of it I think "Mm, marriage oh yeah because I think I'd seen examples of it that had seemed um more rigid rigid and structured than I identified with. I think Uh I saw a lot of examples of, not to gender it, but I think I saw a lot of women saying they were one thing when they were independently independent and then as they got married almost like morphing into this thing that they felt like they needed to be as a wife you know like kind of changing who you are a little bit for your partner and that scared the shit out of me thinking is marriage something where you're just totally losing yourself to be with someone else because if that's the case I don't want to do that at all none of that I don't want that action yeah so Mm -hmm. I think I really resisted that idea and I think um I think that's why to us language matters so much and why we've never really called each other husband and wife or hubby and wifey fiance all that kind use? of stuff we use partner and huh. we when, and or we we see each other as a team we yeah. we grew up in sports in mm. athletics mm-hmm. and we feel like we're a part of this team that's that's greater than us as individuals like we get to work together on this common goal uh-huh. and that's really that's cool helped i think language is so powerful for our brains we're using words like partner or teammate make it not feel so rigid in my brain like i'm a part of this mm. i am someone's wife i am someone's property like that kind of connotation really doesn't work for me doesn't put you into into a, um, a hole as much. It doesn't put you in, oh, I have to it, it stay in this boundary. Exactly. Like we are partners. We're in a team. We're moving in the same direction together. Right. Building each other up, helping each other grow. Right. It feels a little more fluid that way. And mm. I think anything, I think as humans, we need a little bit of structure. I like structure mm. personally. I'm a professional organizer, right? <laughs> so I like some sort of structure. Um, and I think it's wonderful. But I do think that in in intimate and personal relationships, I've really enjoyed a little more fluidity and play mm. than some rigid structure of, hey, you're now in this marriage that you're yeah. stuck in. So I know this may be a broad question. Mm. How do you, how do you, like what, I guess, how do you structure your marriage so that it's not rigid? So that it's, yeah. or even like one way that you do, because I'm sure there's like, a multitude of ways that you structure it, that it keep gives you the freedom to play, gives you the freedom to, to, to move and to communicate and, and grow. But I guess what, like, I guess what are the main differences you see that stand out with your marriage and your idea of traditional marriage? Yes. Uh, that's a really good question. I, I think that we couldn't really articulate any of this until we started going to couples therapy a few years ago. Aye, and how's couples therapy? 
oh, it's awesome. Yeah, and it's just our, lit. It's, it's lit. It's it, to, use your, to use your term, <laughs> I love that. It's, it is. It's fire. One-on-one -on -one therapy is amazing. Exactly. One-on-one yeah. -on -one therapy is incredible. Couples. And couples, oh my gosh, couples... We almost got into, not that it's too late to start anything, but we kind of laugh thinking, oh my gosh, like we should have done that years ago, <laughs> even before we were married yeah. um, because we loved it so much. We didn't get into couples therapy until we actually moved back from New York and moved to Seattle. Mm, were you married? You were married yes. already. You got married yes, in New York. Yes. Well, so we got married while we lived in New York. We got married out here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh -huh. um, but we, um, but then we went back to New York for about half a year before mm -hmm. moving back to Seattle. So um, with the move came so many challenges. We moved back mostly for to be closer to family, mm -hmm. but we moved back for his job and not mine. And that was when I was still, I was still a trainer in New York and that had been my first year going full-time into training. And so my career was starting to level up there a little bit. And then we when you moved. halted that by moving Aye. and so what ended up coming up was just a lot of this like ugly stuff where I when I learned to articulate it I was and you learned in therapy uh, to articulate exactly it? exactly Aye. because stuff was coming out in just weird like I'm not a very passive aggressive person and then I would make these passive comments and it oh. really came down to fear and it was the first time ever in our relationship that he had started to support me financially Ooh. because in New York I had made similar money and we we keep everything separate and with this move it was the first time that I had to start relying on him because mm. I was working to find jobs out here and like and you said earlier your your sense of independence that must totally. have totally triggered you con every day oh my gosh every day you wake up and you're every like, day <laughs> I'm dependent. Fuck. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I felt it, right. I went from feeling free in something to almost feeling trapped. Like, Ooh. oh my gosh, I'm relying on this person and this feel these feelings of guilt and shame around. Oh my gosh, I'm not contributing in the way I used to. So, one of my dear friends from college who lives out here had seen this couples therapist, uh -huh. and this is again, this is why friendships mean the world to me because I'm friends with people that I can be fully honest with. I'm not trying to put on a smile and say, everything with me in age is great. Yeah. No, I'm going to my friends and saying, our marriage is not well. You're like, like bitch, the walls are on fire. <laughs> the walls are on fire. I don't know what's happening. Hell, somebody help me. I love you. Help me. <laughs> like, like that? Yes. Is that? Okay. Exactly. Okay, exactly. I'm paraphrasing here. <laughs> but you sound exactly like me. That's exactly what I sounded like. So this human says, hey, I've got this great couples therapist. Mm. Go to her. Mm -hmm. And so that year in therapy was just incredible because to go back to your question, how do we kind of keep this fluidity, fluidity this play? Uh -huh. um, she really taught us how to communicate in a way we never had. And one of the tools that we got out of it Ooh. was she... Tools. Yes, I know, right? And I love tools. Love tools. Well, love tell me, please, share. The perpetual learner. Yes. Loves tools and takeaways. So she gave this um, metaphor or analogy of being a house. And if your house is flooding, oh. right? Okay. So you're getting to this place of being flooded. So you imagine like your body is this house. You're being flooded with all these emotions. And we've talked about this. Sometimes by the time shit hits your cerebral cortex and everything, like all this stuff is firing, uh -huh. you say things that don't even oh. have anything to do with the argument shit is coming out of your mouth where it's almost like 
just someone else has taken over your body yeah. and you're saying things. So trying she, to relieve some pressure. Exactly. So she, not, she not taught us this, these tools um, and she called it a take a break ritual. So basically what AJ and I decided mm-hmm. was what we would need to take a break in that moment. Like when you can tell you're spiraling, you're fighting about something, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. We literally get a call time out and mm. go and do what we need to do. Mm. So for me, it's being outdoors because you need about 30 minutes as a human for everything to calm oh. down, right? For those levels to not be so flooded anymore. So if you in the middle of it, you're like, well, you got a big ass head yeah. and your mama got big feet. It, well, you know what? I'm going to take a walk. I need literally. I need to remove myself from the situation real quick. Right. And here's what's huh. funny is I, when we're heated. Yeah, yeah. I'm not normally the one to call to call the timeout. He's normally like, babe, <laughs> you need a timeout. And vice versa, right? Because it can be when you're so, on a roll. <laughs> so he's got his hand on the door and I'm like, hey, we taking a break real quick. Uh, I'm just going to step outside and uh, don't throw nothing on the way out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we're not often taught healthy conflict, especially being conditioned as as a female in society, I think it's so much, okay, put a smile on your face, be happy, don't necessarily show you're angry, you're sad, whatever. So I'm normally very positive, very calm. And then when I get triggered, this anger would come out and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know what to do with it. So, so for a therapist to sit there and give you permission to be angry, to have these feelings, to feel all your rays of emotions that you can feel Mm. as a human it was really cool and we were then able to be taught how to have healthy conflict because conflict is is wonderful it's okay Mm. it's just yucky when you're doing it in a mean way and just name calling yes and And just progressing yeah and just stirring the pot in a way that Mm. isn't even productive so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that i think is how we are able to keep play and a flow in our marriage is by literally having tools like this to be able to communicate better. Hmm. The disclaimer I'd want to make in this is that AJ and I are in a partnership where we don't have kids. Mm -hmm. We don't, um, we do share property together, but for the most part, we, we are very privileged to make this kind of like marriage of choice, right? Mm. We're constantly choosing each other as a couple. Um, I understand that everyone is going to be in very, right? Because everyone's going to be in really different situations. Gosh, if we added in kids or financial stress or things like that, we could be making very different decisions. And I never want to say to someone, oh my gosh, it has to all be about choice because I understand that sometimes people need to stay in marriages, you know, for, for very different mm-hmm. reasons. So I, I want to make it clear that I'm not just saying, oh, everyone should just live in this free la-da-da, you know, kind of kind of relationship. So we um, we very much are honest with each other about how when we're not doing things where we feel independent or we're not spending quality time with other people we love or things that we love to do like work. He works a ton. I work a ton. We wouldn't feel like our whole selves if we weren't doing that. So I think because we feel fulfilled in our own lives, we Mm. then, it doesn't leave really any room to be jealous or mad at each other about things when we are traveling because I know that he's feeding his soul in all these ways and he's going to be a better partner to me when he's fulfilled and happy and vice versa he Uh. knows that like me traveling with one of my girlfriends is gonna it's gonna light me up in its own way and we're gonna have these awesome stories and adventures and then I can come back and be even more of a loving caring partner to him so so it sounds like 
I guess one of the foundations of your happiness, um, well, of your of your partnership is having your own lives, having your yes. own space, having because you were a person before you met him. Exactly. You were a whole ass person. And I'm a whole ass person still now. And I'm a whole lot of woman. Right. And Which I feel so like a lot of us. And I've I've lost that before. Right. I've gone into a relationship and lost my sense of self, and it affected the relationship. Yes. And I think that's very important, and I think that's cool that you you are able to do that. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's so cool that you do like couples therapy. Like, thanks, babe. Wouldn't like okay. So for me, what as my as my married friend, if I were to get into a relationship again, I, I think like when when was is a good time to start going to a couples therapist? Because I feel like if I'm just like you know we're like a couple months in like <laughs> you're still in that lovey dovey phase. You're like hey babe, yeah. you know <laughs> you look beautiful. I mean, I feel like it'd be weird to bring that up. Like, this is so that is so interesting. I do think that. I feel this whole tide changing. I think this, we've talked about this before, this collective conscious, the way everyone is really starting to wake up to how important inner work is and healing traumas and healing your inner child. So I say all that to say, as a collective conscious, I think we're starting to put to language a lot more of this stuff. So the more we normalize talking about things or talking about therapy or couples therapy, Uh, the less the less weird it is to say a few months in, hey, I'm really liking this. I see a future with you. Maybe let's do some some therapy because the, oh. we're now talking about therapy cool. in this way that's kind of like um, physical movement, physical health, yeah. mental health yeah. is, is, is just as important, if not more important. So then if you're thinking about the way that you as a trainer move your body daily, you're drinking water, therapy can be that same thing so why not do it together as a couple and strengthen that muscle together Mm -hmm. and and just destigmatize that coming out of there you'd be like oh my god like i see you i see you so much because we've just said stuff that i didn't know i was thinking or i knew i was thinking didn't know how to say it but someone facilitated it like that's got to be really cool and i i admire it and from what you've just told us like that's one of the foundations of your marriage is having facilitated communication and and learning tools like the flooding of the house and absolutely and so I, cool i also think that it's something where we just just the more you're doing it in times where you're not in crisis uh-huh. then when you're in crisis it's not as scary if we're constantly mm. treating therapy as the thing we go to when we're about to get divorced mm. or can't get out of bed because we're thinking suicidal thoughts or whatever it looks like uh-huh you're going in this state of crisis and you're kind of flooded at that point, right? But if we're going, even when nothing on the surface seems wrong or needing Uh to be fixed, he and I are learning, we're still kind of going to uncover these nuggets about each other that maybe we would even have a hard time doing if I'm so pissed at him for something and I can only see it through rage that I'm not actually as empathetic as I could be. Whereas if it's just a normal Tuesday and we're not fighting about anything, but we then go deeper into his fears or childhood trauma or something then I can see this person in this whole new way that I couldn't have if I was angry I like that a lot because it's such a different conversation than when you're angry or flooded yes and it's yes yeah that's I I love that you say that because it's it is very useful even when you're not in times of of crisis yes but in a different way have I had to learn this like oh I used to go to therapy I mean we found our therapist when we were in crisis right we Mm. found our therapist when it felt like the walls were caving in on our marriage and so then to be able to build up that rapport with this person who sadly ended up closing her practice so Mm. 
nice little plug. We are looking for a new <laughs> couples therapist. <laughs> but I need a doctor. Call me a doctor. Is there a doctor in the house? Is there a doctor in the house? I'm a doctor. I know that for me, like I grew, just grew up watching a lot of TV and movies and I had this fantasy and maybe just from, from my age, you know, being teenager, being in twenties. Sure. I was just like, yeah, you get, you, you meet someone, you figure it out and then you go yeah. and that's, that's what you do. But it's not like that. It's <laughs> no. your expression. You're like, nah, motherfucker. She is real. She is war out here. It's raw in these streets. That's the face you just made at me. Like it's raw in these streets, son. It's a war zone. Marriage is a war zone, motherfucker. You better be ready. Put your boots on and strap them up tight. I cannot. I said that all, I, all, all with, with your face. Look. All, all with your look. It was it was an expressive gosh, look. Gosh. <laughs> she needs to work on her faces. Wow. No, no, no. Rain it in gold. So marriage and, and relationships in general, you know, they're not, it's not this, this one linear no. thing. And something no. that you and age do, another tool i don't know if it's a tool I'm, I'm not sure and you could fill me in on where you learn this and where you learn to do this you have a you have a state of the union address i love that you call it that <laughs> and it is it's from our therapist so you're very ah, right oh, okay, in cool. calling that a tool see and that's awesome you're very right and and so my my understanding of it is once a year i don't know if it's on your anniversary mm-hmm, or what mm-hmm. it is once a year you get together and say hello partner mm. Let's take a look at our year, mm-hmm. what happened over the year, kind of like a like a, a work review, an yeah. annual review at work. Absolutely. Let's look at what we did. Yeah. Let's look at where we're going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, does this shit need to keep going? Not that you're going to break up or anything. It's just like, give me reasons. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we going to keep going? And that's my take on it. I'm not, please fill me in on, like, what, what, that's, what this is all about, because it's very interesting. I think it'd be really cool to hear about. That was a beautiful take, and you really summed it up super well. The reason our therapist gave us this tool was because I didn't say this, but on our first date, I said, I'm not looking to get into a relationship and I don't want children. I had this very, I think it was because I knew I was moving. I had this full moment of, I could either string this person along and pretend to be what they want Mm -hmm. for a while and then move. Or I can on this first date say, I don't want to waste anybody's time, my own or yours this is who I am and this is what I'm about. And what I loved about AJ, because especially at that age, I was 22, so many people were saying, you're going to change your mind, you're going to want to be a mom, blah, blah, blah. AJ was like, cool. Like he just kind of sat with that and didn't argue with me on it and also didn't say, well, I want kids, this isn't going to work. He just kind of sat with it Hmm. because he had never seen he had never seen a heterosexual marriage that didn't result in having children. Like he'd never seen that modeled before. Mm. So basically what happened was in those seven years that we were dating and not engaged, I would bring up the kids thing a lot. Also kind of the other part of that was me constantly saying, are you sure you don't want to have kids? Are you sure you don't want to have kids? Like almost freaking out to the point of, oh my gosh, this man's going to marry me and then he's going to wake up and Mm. want kids and I will have been transparent the whole time and he's going to change his mind. Or like, what if I trap this person who really wants to have kids, but he loves me and he feels like he's just going to make this decision for me. So I exhausted myself and him in asking about this all the time. So even when we found this therapist here and we were married, the kids thing was still like eating at me wow. like oh my gosh because you know age, Seven years age later. absolutely you know age would make an incredible dad so oh, i yeah. think oh, yeah. i think that i was just so worried that like he wasn't 
being fully honest with himself that he wanted to do this. And that's when our therapist stopped me and was like, he's literally telling you he doesn't want children. He's literally telling you he's here in this partnership. Like, why are you not hearing this? Mm. And I was like, I don't know. Cause, and we discovered it's all my own like inner shit, right? It had sure. nothing to do with him. And I say all this to say that she said, look, you pick a date. And we were like, great, our anniversary. And she said, that's going to be when you get to bring up the kids thing, the question, everything. Otherwise, stop beating a dead horse throughout the whole year. She's like, you're literally not enjoying your relationship because you guys are so worried about this thing. So the state of the union, I love that you call it that. (laughs) It has really evolved into this like thing of not only checking in with, wow, that was a year. Like, what did we learn? What are we going to create together in this partnership? I love that. But also, are you still cool on the no kids thing? Right? Because then it allows us because here's the deal as humans we grow and change he could change his mind i could change my mind mm-hmm. so we are well within our right to be able to say hey actually this has changed for me yeah. and then if that does change we cross that bridge when we get there right and we'll figure it out but it's been so freeing to just do this more of like an annual check-in versus a constant are you sure are you sure are you sure yeah because that shit gets old yeah it's like when you've been in relationships or like if people right i think everyone has this experience in relationships sometimes someone can kind of nag you on things Mm. and it's not even about you it's all about them so i was like nagging him on something that had nothing to do with him it was an insecurity of yours, which came out of caring for him and not wanting... Absolutely. It's not a bad, bad thing in in and of itself, but it still was doing, chipping away ah. and doing a little bit of damage like, to our relationship. Fat- it'd be fatiguing. Exactly. It would be fatiguing exactly. for him and fatiguing because it's on your mind. I'm tired, folks. He said it's too hot, folks. He tired. Too hot. He tired. Uh-huh. So at this point in the conversation, we got a little off topic. So I'm going to bring you back to a point in the conversation where we get to talking about inspiration, creativity, the things that Claire is learning and finding that are inspiring her and helping her to learn and look at her relationship from different angles that she may not have considered otherwise. Uh, That's definitely one of my driving factors is um, core values is curiosity and learning throughout the rest of my life voraciously aggressively just tearing into it give me more give me more i know i love i love that about you and i feel the same way and i love that you also bring that up because it's that has been so and that's what you and i were talking about the other day that is what's been so instrumental in our marriage is not just when we're learning we're not just learning from other people that are in heterosexual monogamous relationships Mm. like that shit's inspiring because that happens to be what we're in right now but we're also learning from all these different humans and perspectives. Yeah. Like I am well, so in love with my, like what I learned from my single friends, the ones that are choosing to be single and what I learn about self-love through them or um, learning through queer relationships, open polyamorous relationships, just all these different perspectives. Because I think that when you're learning, it doesn't mean you have to then do the same thing as that person, but it uh, opens your eyes to this whole new way of doing things. And also knowing that humanity is just incredible. Everyone's doing things differently. So why are we trying to fit into this one structured box of what works for like one person that's been held up forever? We talked about this at lunch the other day. Yes. And I wanted to ask you more about this. You just you just said like we can learn from queer and, and, and bi relationships and like yes. um, polyamorous and stuff. Um, 
that I think that's wildly interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We we have our traditional relationship view, and you've been doing reading uh, reading research. What have you been? So, how have you been learning? You've been learning these different forms of relationships that are not well non traditional. Yes, traditional in our country. I do air quotes. Definitely air quotes. Non traditional forms of love and partnership and relationship, um, and they're. Where have you where have you been learning? What have you been learning? Tell tell me more about this. How is this? I don't this is this is interesting because it's very different. Well, it's perfect that you're podcasting because podcasts are probably one of my favorite mediums to consume. Um, that's where so one of the places I really first started a couple places I first started diving into this was um, Aubrey Marcus's podcast. And Aubrey Marcus was in um they were in a monogamous relationship for a couple years, but ended up being partners for eight years. I think five or six of those years were open with a woman named Whitney Miller. Open relationship. So yes. So they recently transitioned their relationship and and now are no longer in that partnership. But what I have learned so much from that podcast, their example of love um, has again, so much to do with language and the wording we use. So even when they, air quote, broke up, they're calling it a transition because it doesn't mean that they don't love each other anymore or that they don't care about each other. Because I think sometimes we're given these examples of, oh, well, fuck this person. They did this to me. I'm never speaking to them again. You see the deleting of social media pictures, this almost acting like this person died. (laughs) It's like, but they didn't die. My guilty face is like, "Mm." no, but, and it's fine, right? But because that's, that's kind of what we're told we're supposed to do when a relationship air quote ends. That's what feels right too. You're like, fuck this person. Right. Which is fine to be, to be angry and, and the heart doesn't break even, right? We know this. So, so we can have these moments, but then also it's this being able to look at this person and this role they played in your life and the Mm. Lessons you learned from it, and so I think when people are out there sharing so openly about what their relationships look like and sharing what their heartbreak looks like, I think it's it's so powerful, and I've learned a lot from that. Um, and also, uh, one of the most fascinating, I think, educators out there that our therapist turned us on to is this Belgian therapist who lives in New York. Her name is Esther Perel. Oh uh, yeah, right. So Esther Perel has this incredible podcast called "Where Should We Begin." And what is so powerful about it is it's real couples that come to her. They're not ongoing uh, clients of hers, but they come in for one session. And we're talking every type of relationship under the sun. Like maybe someone's in a marriage and then someone um, transitions, um, goes through like gender transition or things like that. And and you hear this maybe on the... um, or maybe you read it on just like the summary of what this episode is about. And you might read it and think, gosh, that episode doesn't sound like something I'm going to get out of it. And you listen to it and you're like, I just got everything out of this. Like the relationship might not be similar at all to my own, but the human emotions are real. The feelings are real and, and, and so similar, right? Because Hmm. we're so similar as human beings. We're more similar than we are different. Right. So there's so much learning in different examples of loving. Um, Esther also writes, two incredible books called State of Affairs and Mating in Captivity. So Mating in Captivity is this incredible commentary on marriage in the United States and looking at divorce rates and looking at, and then also with with, um, State of Affairs, you're looking at rather than just saying, fuck that person, they cheated, you're actually maybe asking that person, well, why did you cheat? And getting to the root of these things because 
unless it's, you know, someone who's addicted to sex or like a serial cheater, I think for the most part, people are just, there's so much longing and fear and sadness and stuff that goes into cheating on your partner that if you take a moment and actually like stick with that person and listen to why they did that, it's, it can be pretty uh, powerful to hear them share. So her work on that has been really, really cool. Um, and something that we've learned a ton from. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Esther Perel and then Aubrey Marcus. Aubrey Marcus, Whitney Miller, but so yeah, but even me. just even just Instagram is so incredible. Um, oh. Erica Hart is uh is this incredible. Um, H A R T. H A R T. But sex educator, um, but also looking at so many of those intersections of gender and race, like within that, and um, that's just fascinating to me too, right? Because when you're looking at the way this country was formed and who formed it and the way that who was allowed to get married and oh. how you're looking at how that relates to tax benefits and things like that, right? Like you kind of break down this institution of marriage. There is so much messed up stuff around it. And previously, I think when you're looking at ages ago, what relationships used to look like, right? Yeah. Like what what polyamory look like. I mean, like a lot of us are hardwired, I think, not just for monogamy. I think a lot of us are hardwired to love a lot of different people. Mm. And yet we're in the society that forces us to kind of just conform to one way of doing things. Mm. Um, so I say all that to say that AJ and I are still in this monog monogamous relationship, but it's being curious about what else is out there and mm. talking about those things and saying, wow, there are other people that are doing this really differently than us. Mm -hmm. What can we learn from that? And is that something that we'd want to bring into our own relationship down the road? Um, because there's no harm in learning. In fact, there's only <laughs> like, there's only learning and yeah. it's kind of the best. Do you, do you feel like learning from these different archetypes of how people do relationships, do you feel like that's bolstered your relationship, just like your connection with AJ in the monogamous format that you have right now? Totally. Because I think there's nothing cooler than being able to be your most vulnerable with a human. And rather than them shooting you down, them saying, yeah, that sounds really cool or that sounds interesting or... Um, like I think when he and I have shared deep things or even shared our fears about marriage uh -huh. and we've just been there for the other person and said like, I see you or I feel and that. And not take it as a, as a personal attack. like Exactly. Not like, oh, what am I doing that I'm yeah. not enough for you, blah, blah, blah. But oh, like wow. letting him just say, this is what's hard for me in marriage or this is what I'm afraid about in marriage and me validating that. Oh, that's so high level though. We get to this <laughs> new level. So high level for you to, to take your own ego out of it and be like, I'm here for you in that. Cause that has to feel so like so much like a personal attack. Right. Well, and so, oh my gosh, so that's, you're jogging my memory. That's what you and I talked about is that even for people that let's say you, you love monogamy and you want to choose monogamy. That's amazing. But I think that one thing we can really learn from poly relationships is how these people that are in that type of relationship, you have to do so much to to tame your ego and to not be jealous. Mm. If, if someone is, is um, sharing love in this expansive way and sharing it not with you but with other people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's so much ego work <laughs> and that is really tough to do. And so how can we bring that ego and that inner work into our own monogamous relationships? Because 
oh my gosh, like my ego comes up all the time. Yeah. And I could maybe get jealous of AJ's doing something or like, who are you with? Hello? Who the fuck you go to the show with last night? I didn't go to the show last night. You ain't got to lie, Craig. You ain't got to lie. Ain't nobody lying. I didn't go to the show last night. Yes, you did. Cause my sister-in-law's baby cousin, Tracy, she told me she went to the show last night and she saw you there all hugged up with some giraffe. Now tell me who Especially with all your travel, like when you guys are apart. Exactly, exactly. So kind of learning from people that are doing it a very different way has brought in this whole new style of communication for wow. us. So you studying like polyamorous relationships where people are freely loving and like or yes. open relationships and they're learning under fire how to tame their egos. Yes. You're not doing it. But you're just like, oh, I see how you do it. Or learning tools where you're like, exactly. I see what you're doing. Okay, that can help me tame your ego. Because taming your ego in any relationship, friendship is always good exactly. in life. Yeah, exactly. that's dope. It, it it really is. It's It's been very eye-opening. And I think you and I have even talked about this in our friendship. Like, you're such good friends with AJ, but you and I are also friends and mm -hmm. spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time together. Yeah. And if AJ wasn't secure in himself and then also just in loving you and loving me yeah. he might be like why are you spending all this time with this with this dude like yeah, what are you up, getting man? out of this yeah, what's like, happening? what, what y'all doing exactly yeah or he could say the same thing about how much time i spend with my with my friends uh, mm -hmm. like other my, my female friends mm -hmm. and get jealous around that and instead we're secure in what we have mm -hmm. that we're able to go out and continue to love other people in a in a platonic way and yeah and not bring our, our, our ego into and, it. And you're such a social butterfly. If you were with a man that clipped your wings in that way, where he was like, well, spend more time with me, not your girlfriends and guy friends. Like, you'd be like, boy, bye. Boy, bye. I really liked what you said. That's, I'd never thought about. Thanks. I'd never thought about learning from other formats and looking at other, how possibly like, queer relationships or open relationships or whatever, you know, bi relationships and different ways that people do these things. I'm just like, well, that's not me. So I don't need to, I don't need to pay attention to it. Mm. I'd never crossed my mind. I don't think it's crossed a lot of people's minds because it's like, well, that's not me. So it's not important. Totally. Well, and it's also, that's, I think what I'm most fascinated about in terms of when you think about like systemic racism in this country, what gets published whose voices we get to hear like who's getting the book deals who's the famous talk show hosts that talk about this or whatever oftentimes it's selling you this one type of relationship this mm. monogamous this right so mm -hmm. when you're bringing in other voices that hmm. aren't often like our go-to right if i was just sitting here like as a straight white female saying oh i'm just gonna listen to voices like mine yeah I'm only getting one type of example. Yeah. So why when I say not? Relationship goals. Everyone looks like me. That limits you. Exactly. So why Fuck. not yeah. just expand that? Because holy cow, there's a whole nother way of living out yeah. there. And you ain't got to do it. Exactly. But you can you, learn. You from don't it. have to do it. But you can level your shit up. Totally. Totally. And that's yeah. and that's, that's what's cool. so fascinating to me too is just really then digging it allows me to do even more deep diving and inner work on what I'm attracted to, how I like to be loved, what choices I would make if I was single and not in a marriage. And then being able to tell my partner about that, like, whoa, this mm. is something that has been a deep 
desire of mine that I maybe never gave any thought to because society told me it wasn't mm. okay or whatever. So I think it's very cool to learn and to really unearth things about yourself through this. Um, you and AJ must communicate really well. It sounds like you have a very open <laughs> channel of communication where you can talk about things that I wouldn't, I guess a younger me or whatever past me wouldn't think of talking about relationship because it's like, well, this is going to upset them. Yes. But it sounds like you guys have a very, very open channel of communication. Oh, friend, but That's we've great. we've evolved in this. Like you could have met us years. Ago. I mean, you didn't get to know us in New York, but I, I think about I think about friends that have known us kind of since the beginning, mm -hmm. and they've probably seen a tremendous amount of I'm growth sure. because this is not something that we were doing well, at the and, beginning. And that's why I wanted to invite you here this for this show is because because of how much I can I can see how much work you put into it, and from mm -hmm. what we've talked about today, you research you work you go to therapy you talk you spend time with and in your relationship with your husband you spend you spend energy making it a beautiful thing and making it something that works you flex that muscle a lot and that's why i wanted that's why i wanted to talk with you about it because i know it just it shows how much how much work that you put into it because of how much joy and how much connection and and and, and love you get out of it and how much you, you both share with everyone and that's beautiful. And that's why I want to invite you here. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank so you for your time today. Like this was, this is really amazing. I'm really glad to have you. Thank you I'm for really your glad. time and these thoughtful questions. And thank you for sharing. For like, talking about something that's, I, I, I love what you're doing with this podcast in the sense that you're looking at all different types of health. You're looking at physical, mental, relational. It's, it's beautiful because it's all connected. It's all so connected. I love that you're doing it's that. Thanks for connected. shining light on that. In our, in our next episode. So I'm gonna bring you, I want to bring you back for our next episode. Okay. Because um, we can talk about like how, f how physical health affects your relationship. How mental, emotional health, Whoa. how financial health affects your relationship. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> <God>. <laughs> uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Treat your health. Claire, thank you so much for, for coming thank in today. Thank you, my love. Yeah, I love you. I'll, I'll see you again for the next episode. I love you too. All right, cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye.